Welcome back to Hill Country Institute Live, Exploring Christ and Culture. I'm Larry Lennon Met, your host, and we're delighted to continue our conversations on topics of current interest and concern to Christians seeking to live with the heart and mind of Christ. We invite you to visit our website to listen to past programs and audio and video of past conferences and speakers on many faith and culture topics, hillcountryinstitute.org. That's hillcountryinstitute.org. And we also invite you to, to listen to the podcast at Hill Country Institute Live on your podcast app. And if you'd like to consider supporting the program, we would appreciate it very much. The uh, support of the body of Christ uh, helps us to continue to interact with people uh, on these cultural issues, uh, including lots of things, human trafficking, environmental stewardship, like we're talking about today, and, and just the other issues that we confront in our daily life. You can make donations at hillcountryinstitute.org or by calling 512-680-7993. That's 512-680-7993. So we once again welcome our special guest today, Mark Purcell. Mark is the uh, U.S. Leader, Executive Director of Arasha, an international environmental stewardship ministry. Welcome and thanks for being with us, Mark. Thanks, Larry. So, Mark, we've been talking a lot about things that uh, are near and dear to us both. You know, how we take care of God's good creation and how we thrive and help other human beings to flourish. And I know that's, a, that's at the heart of, of your ministry. So, uh, again, why don't you take, take just a couple of minutes, tell people, tell people about the mission of Arasha, maybe Arosha. Sure. You know, <laughs> uh, Mark and I laugh because I, I, I kind of struggle getting this name out right. <laughs> and, and, and being from East Texas, uh, I, can, I, I literally can mispronounce anything. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's uh, Arosha or Arosha, and I think either one's good, but yeah. tell us about it. Well, our Portuguese colleagues always laugh at us because none of us pronounce it correctly. So you're, <laughs> you're fine. Don't worry about it. In the United States, and we're, we're one of about 20 other organizations and not even anywhere close to being one of the larger organizations. We got more of a, uh, a later start in this scenario uh, and have frankly struggled to um, get traction in the U.S. for a whole host of reasons. But what, what we've been talking about is that we, rec we recognize that environmental and ecological challenges are massive. And people are overwhelmed by this. Mm -hmm. They have anxiety. They don't know where to start, and frankly, they don't even feel like what they're going to do makes a difference. We see our role as coming alongside them, helping them create a theological framework and a scientific framework or a practical framework for how they can make a difference in their own context. And we, we do that really in two ways. We have our more traditional conservation projects, which are place-based um, they tend to have a community that um, is involved and uh, helps support that effort. It's very localized, and, and um, it's, it's we're there for the long haul, right? And we have those, those mm -hmm. types of projects all over the world. We have some here in the United States. You're in pretty much every continent except uh, Antarctica, aren't you? I, I think that's right. Yeah. I, I think that's right. Um, and then another thing we're doing now is we're rolling out a new program this fall called Love Your Place. And this is really a, a program, it's going to be a membership program for people to engage in creation care in their own context at a very basic and a very practical level. And Love Your Place is sort of like double entendre, but it, it's, a, it's an action verb, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it, it uh, helps people understand the value of 
the, uh, their place mattering. It matters. I don't know if mattering is a word, but it matters that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what they do locally um, has an impact. It's easy to say, yeah, I'd love to go to Costa Rica or I'd love to go to India to help out you know, the Amazon with these amazing conservation efforts. And you should, right? I'm not yeah. saying anything about that. That's good. But yeah. what do you do for the, for the other 50 weeks out of the year? And we want we, we, we have high value of living in such a way that you're impacting your place, your apartment life, your backyard, your neighborhood, your church. Um, we, that is just as important. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it is um, almost, it's much harder and it requires um, a, a level of faithfulness that, that is sort of grinding this out every single day and integrating it into your daily life. So, mm-hmm. so those two arenas, if you will, is really where we're focused. Larger, more, more professionally oriented conservation science projects. And then really for the laity, for everyday people like you and me to do this as part of their, of their daily lives and their, their church lives, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're up to right now. Yeah, but how, if someone wants to find out more about your ministry, how do they do that? Uh, the best place to do that is through our website, arasha.us. Okay. A-R-O-C-H-A dot U-S. Okay. And uh, the, in October, you'll, um, you'll hear more about it. Great. Well, um, Mark, you've, you've had a, a couple of projects here in Texas I'm aware of, and I'd, I'd, I'd like for people to become familiar with. You, you've worked on a ranch uh, mm-hmm. setting to, to try to make it more ecological friendly, help the mm-hmm. critters, so to speak. Mm-hmm. T- tell us a little bit about that. So for the last, I, I don't know, Six or eight, seven years, I don't remember exactly when it started, we've been involved with uh, the Hill Country Youth Ranch out at their Big Springs campus mm-hmm. out in Lakey, Texas. And um, that has been a, a, a fantastic learning experience for us. Uh, it's a very large ac- uh, amount of acres and with significant needs. And um, one of our board members, Carson Dickey, has really helped work with that group and establish the relationship and highlight the opportunity there. And so we've been involved with them uh, in a variety of capacities, really helping them manage parts of the ranch around cedar removal and species optimization and species inventories, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It is a fantastically beautiful ranch, and they recognize that and uh, I think have learned alongside of us um, the the importance of what they have and and, and caring for it. So that's been awesome. The other thing about it is, is that um, of course, it's a foster care center, and they have, I think, roughly 60 kids that live on site, and we've had some engagements with them as well. Um, our hope is in the future we can engage the kids more um, frequently in getting them out and helping with some of these projects that we're working on. Great. Well, now if someone uh, happens to be listening who owns a ranch mm. and is, or is thinking about uh, conservation issues on their own property. Right. Is that something they should contact you about? Sure. Yeah. We, um, especially in Central Texas, lots of people either have or in, or are inheriting land, mm-hmm. and uh, it's sometimes really, really difficult to know what to do. It's expensive. It's yeah. not. Oh, this sure. is you know it, to maintain these ranches is not. Uh, it's not a trivial matter, and um, so. There's lots of organizations that we can um, help put you in touch with that can, that can provide resources, including ourselves, mm-hmm. um, to uh, understand uh, w- what your options are in managing and um, in, in helping your ranch or your property. Um, we're working towards that. We're not uh, – honestly, we're not um, 
up to speed where we want to be because mm-hmm. the demand is so high and our capacity is so low. Yeah. But we've been in, in touch with any number of ranches and um, landowners who have reached out to us. We haven't even pursued them that would, you know, mm-hmm. wanted to be in dialogue. And furthermore, want to be a part of a Christian organization. There's lots of just regular conservation organizations that they can work with. But yeah. because we have this faith perspective, we um, attract certain people that want to be a part of, um, of doing this with for theological reasons mm-hmm. uh, rather than just purely scientific or, you know, yeah. what have you. Yeah, and when uh, we're, we use the term theological and you use the term scientific, yep. and you didn't use them as terms that are loggerheads with each other, <laughs> did you? I mean, no, that definitely not. not. at all. Yeah. Because yeah. our, our faith informs our reason, and our reason informs our faith. We're, yeah. we're whole, holistic. That, in my opinion, is a, a, a manufactured argument. Um, it's there. Uh, we most of the people in Arash are scientists, and they're people of deep faith. I, I don't need need to say anything more than that. Yeah, they go together. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's certainly our our view. We've we've tried to work extensively to yeah. bring people together in faith and science, and uh, it's it's a good place for a Christian. We Absolutely, see, we see God's handiwork, yeah. and we when we study it, and we we learn about how He did what He did, yeah. and it's uh, it that that is the basis for for science right. in my mind. And then there's the practical application, right. the Genesis one. I can't just uh, whatever it is. It seems to always go back to Genesis yeah. one twenty six, twenty eight, yeah. maybe to thirty one, because that's where God brings us right. in and gives yeah. us these responsibilities. Right. No, it's hard to it's hard to uh, uh, sidestep that, isn't yeah. it? Right, right yeah. there at the beginning. Yeah. So it's a it's a, an early calling. Yeah. Well, uh, in terms of another project we're both both familiar with, um, on Sunday mornings we see a lot of plants, and mm-hmm. and uh, we we're seeing pollinators in those plants now. And uh, tell us about that, because yeah. I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah. So one service that we provide uh, for churches, uh, we will do an assessment, um, both uh, of the land, mm-hmm. if if a church has land. Right. Not all churches do, but if, if it has land or even a little bit of land, yeah. we can come. Uh, and do an assessment, tell you what's there, and give you some opportunities um, to make some what we consider to be good changes um, that will both help the land flourish and also the, the congregation. Mm-hmm. We can also do that, do energy audits of the facilities that a church has as well. And uh, Christ Church, where we attend, took uh-huh. us up on both of those, and um, we have a partner that does the, uh, the energy audit, he did that, and then our team did an assessment of the property, which is roughly an acre or so, yeah. and came back with a whole series of recommendations. And um, very exciting uh, to us that Christ Church took us up on virtually all or most of them. And uh, essentially what it is is most, most churches create ornamental landscapes that are ecological deserts. Mm-hmm. We understand why. It's beautiful and it's efficient. It's lower cost. Yeah. It's not as messy. Sure. But it's also an ecological desert. Well, tell me about that term, ecological it's desert. It's a monoculture of ornamental grass and plants okay. that local birds and critters don't eat necessarily or find shelter in. Okay. Butterflies, yeah, whatever. All, all, yeah. You name it. Mm-hmm. Okay. They just go somewhere else. No, mm-hmm. that's not entirely true. But, mm-hmm. you know, but for if it's not a native plant... Um, or it's invasive or non-endemic plant. Sometimes local flora, you know, you know mm-hmm. um, bugs and birds and critters will not, there's no food or shelter for them, so they go elsewhere. Yeah. So the idea, and most people are familiar with this, if you go to the natural gardener or somewhere else locally, you, you know, well, we can replace some of these ornamental or introduced 
plant species with native ones. Mm-hmm. And Christchurch did that. And it was a beautiful thing. They, they, they engaged the entire community and planted, I forget, 800 native plants um, in our little patch of, of East Austin. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you go by there, it's flourishing now. I mean, it's just, it's a bonanza yeah. of, of plant life and of species life that w- was not there before. Mm-hmm. There's gardens in the back. Uh, the kids were involved in plant. I, I was so excited to watch the children get involved in planting in those gardens. They loved it. Yeah. You know, neck deep in dirt. They were just having a great time. Mm-hmm. So this is just a fun and very basic way a church can can um, attend to the creation in ways that integrates it into the life of the congregation. Sure. Uh, there's nothing political about it. There, it's not hugely expensive. Um, and it's fun. And it actually makes a difference locally. Mm-hmm. Right? might be a drop in the overall issue, but to that congregation, it makes a difference. And to yeah. that area, it definitely makes a difference. Sure. Well, in uh, migration paths, uh, so often as, as birds and butterflies are coming mm-hmm. through, right. uh, they have to go a long ways between the effective islands that they that they can stop in and, and, and find nourishment and rest. Mm. So we're with the physical plant, the church can be a part of caring for God's creation in that manner. That's right. Yeah. You think of Central Park in New York City, mm-hmm. in migration periods, that place is like a zoo because yeah. it's the only place around where birds can, sure. or migra- migratory birds can can go. So, um, so yeah, yeah. So we, we we think I think of the parks that we have in Texas. And yeah, how same thing. They they do that, and this this is more of a a micro view of that, right. but that doesn't make it any less important. Uh, well, and. It, the scope of the impact mm-hmm. for one church is small. Mm-hmm. But let's say 20 churches did it. You know, it increases it. But more importantly, I think it, it, it communicates something to the neighborhood. Yeah. Right? It's like we're not we, – we care more deeply about this world than just what's happening on, on the inside. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think that can be underestimated. I, I think sure. in our church where we – you know, where there's lots of foot traffic – yeah. Um, and people cannot avoid what they're seeing. Now, whether they're paying attention or not, I can't control that. But we are, we are a witness to God's creation mm-hmm. by, by uh, what we've, what the decisions that the congregation has made. Well, with, with Sonoda Coffee Shop next door, they, yeah. they may notice more coming out yeah. if they had their <laughs> yeah. caffeine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I would. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, so uh, the way that we make... I mean, earlier in the program, you talked about the importance of community mm. in your work. Mm-hmm. And, and here we're talking about the importance of making uh, something visible right. that shows our commitment to the creation. So right. there, are, there are multiple ways. I mean, we can, we can welcome in people to creation care projects who aren't with us on the faith side, but oh, they're yeah. with us on this. So right. we can make common cause, can't sure. we? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things I really appreciate about, appreciate about Arashid is always had a commitment to partner and to collaborate with people, mm-hmm. um, be, especially in this country. And we've not necessarily been on the forefront of creation care or conservation. Um, that's not to say they're not scientists who are laboring, who are Christians, or lots of them. But there's been there is we've been slow um, to the discussion. So mm-hmm. now when I talk with various um, other organizations, they're, they're thrilled <laughs> that, that yeah. there's Christians involved. And we partner with a whole range of people in this work. And we, we, can, we can tap into an audience that they have not been able to. The sure. conservation community 
is full of Christian people. But they've not necessarily done a great job of dialoguing with Christians, and Christians certainly have not done a good, necessarily a good job of, of dialoguing with them. So we, we want to build those bridges yeah. and uh, bring people together that otherwise might not, might not talk to one another. And, you know, it, it's funny. I, I, I lead with that because it's how we differentiate, right? And 99 times out of 100, it's, it's like a little bit of a slack jaw. It's like, wow. I'm happy to meet you. Tell me more, right? Sure. I mean, most people are overwhelmingly um, positive and in open and engaging with us, uh, be, you know, because we're bringing Christians to the table that haven't really been involved in the past. Well, and there's and there's strong, of course, biblical support. You know, we go. It's not just Genesis. It's in Psalms. It's throughout Scripture oh, that there's yeah. this the sense of taking care of God's creation. Uh, Eugene Peterson, for instance, said, dominion doesn't mean doing what you want. It means caring for what's been given to you in mm. a healthy way. Right. And I think that's a great summary yeah. of, of what we're trying to say, sure. that we, we should be thinking about not using plastics except where we have to. Right. Single-use plastics uh, are really a, a difficulty for the environment. Right. Uh, at least put them in the recycle Right, Ben. If if that's what you end up with, right? Uh, John John Stott said that the accelerating world population growth threatens mass starvation for humanity uh, at a time when approximately one fifth of them lack the basic necessities for survival. Now that was in 2011. I really don't know if the if the statistic is is accurate, but the concept is there. Right. That we're 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 facing an increasing population, and and please don't think we're advocating population control. I mean, I know that that's that that's some some people on the uh, in, who are environmentalists and not Christians have different values, mm-hmm. but but it is something that we just need to be aware of right. because there there will be increasing pressure uh, on on limited resources right. that the Earth has, yeah. and so how do we how do we think about that? Yeah, what are what are other ideas that do you think we can we can do either as individuals, churches, businesses in our interaction with our right. elected representatives? We could talk all day about that, and I'm probably not even the best guy to talk about some of those things. But I, I think first we have to build an awareness that all God's creation matters. And I will confess growing up that while I loved nature, I didn't at a theological level really give it much value at all. And I've totally changed my point of view on that. Well, I think when we were growing up, it was it was just kind of accepted that it was yeah. there and right. there was so much of it. right. That it was good. Right. Yeah. And now that it's under pressure, I think it's forced us into this dialogue that, oh, wait a minute. We, we have a role to play here. Mm-hmm. And it, it, um, it has value for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, <laughs> but probably the most important one is that God created it and loved it. And yeah. we're the weirdos <laughs> that believe a loving God created this world. Yeah. Right. Right. That is a very weird point of view for many people. Yeah, it puts us on a margin. Of sorts. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so w- to me, that seems, therefore, we should honor that God that mm-hmm. we love mm-hmm. and believe is loving and created and, 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 and loves the creation. Yeah. So um, I, I think there's a lot of ways that we, we need to rethink depending on where you are in the spectrum, right? Some people are well beyond me. But mm-hmm. rethink about how we value and look at the broader creation. Is it just a resource? That's the old school dominion point of view. Mm-hmm. It's not just a resource. It has resources, but our relationship with those has changed dramatically. And I, one of the things that it's done is it's caused us to be more efficient 
and the perception that we are that the output of our resource resource use collection and use is creating pollution has caused us to become more efficient and we've become massively more efficient we just have a long way to go mm-hmm. so i think part of it is again we're we we're going to consume resources we can't i'm not suggesting that people stop driving cars or flying airplanes but i think we can do it in a way where we're thinking about the implications of what we're doing and why it matters does that make sense is that oh, fair sure. to say yeah i think i think that's well said and then we we need we we have disease issues uh, you know, from from the pollution that we've put out, yeah. uh, breast cancer uh, percentages of population have increased and are projected to continue to increase. Uh, placentas have particulate matter in them from the exhausts from coal plants and other places. So we 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 aren't there yet. Right. But but I think. Uh, you know, one, one person who I admire uh, and learn from, Catherine Hayhoe, mm. she said the first thing we need to do is to, just to talk about it. Right. And so conversations like we're having, right. uh, you know, talk to your family, talk to your friends. This is this is not something that is going to happen in a vacuum. Yeah. And so just don't do it at Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an easy thing to talk about for a lot of people. And it has been very, very politicized. Yeah. It doesn't need to be politicized. There's lots to talk about. Yeah relative to these issues that are not political. And we need politics and we need politicians, unfortunately. (laughs) But we can talk about these things in ways that are honoring to God and honoring to one another. And that's really where we want to be. We want to be in that that part of the conversation. Sometimes you need to have a prophetic voice Mm -hmm. and need to call people to um, a form of repentance, right? And I've I've been called there before, you know, like I've been... uh, uh, it's not easy. So while I agree we need a dialogue about this, we need to do it in a way that is honoring to one another and accepts alternative point of view, points of view. That's not easy to do. But we can't not not talk about it. Mm-hmm. That's not going to get us anywhere. So I, I, I agree with you um, definitely. Yeah. So uh, when, we, when we think about some of the things that, uh, that we might do individually, uh, we're uh, Mark and I are both birders. We enjoy uh, being outdoors. That's a, you know, I think maybe like you, Mark. I, I, I was hunter, fisher. Now I'm probably first a birder. Yeah. And uh, not that I don't like to fish or hunt or think there's anything wrong with them. I think they're great. But something about the birds lets you just keep coming back, and yeah. and and they're always doing something interesting and right. and, and fun. And so, uh, in a recent study, I think you're you're familiar with this. What what's some of the data about birds that we know now? Two point eight billion. Um, uh, number of birds have been lost since nineteen seventy. Um, it's just in North America. Yeah, just in North America alone. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the breeding population of birds in U.S. and Canada has dropped by about thirty percent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that has rocked the birding community. I think people may know that intuitively just because they're not seeing the same level of birds or what have you, but. Um, it is a very concern, concerning statistic, even if you're not a birder. Um, just the impact of that, what's, what's causing that, right? We don't know necessarily. I mean, we can, we can surmise, and maybe the study talks in oh, depth There's about, some things that we do, pesticides yeah, and insecticides, right. for instance. Uh, one bird, dead, dead bird's nest was examined, and it had over 30 pesticides in it. Yeah. So that's a piece. Yeah, and the point is, is we're continually putting pressure on creation, mm-hmm. and um, we can't pretend that we're not. And it's easy to turn 
turn away and pretend like we're not. We, we can no longer pretend that we're putting this kind of pressure. And I, I think some way, some of these things we just, they're so, the problems are so intractable and so large that it's just going to be grinding out um, change over a long period of time. Other things you can do more in close to home is you have a backyard, is plant native species, put up bird feeders, mm-hmm. help help them out. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, sure. So keep your cats indoors. That's right. Um, put up things on the windows, avoid bird strikes. I mean, it's uh, th- you know these are five or six things that are easy to do that you can actually have an impact in your part of the neighborhood mm-hmm. that will help. Um, we we have to we have to create some sort of balance between the pressure we're putting and alleviating that pressure. And so I think it's. Let's, there's fun, interesting, exciting ways that we can help alleviate some of that pressure in our little context. And if enough people are doing it, yeah. then maybe, maybe we can have a dent. Yeah, and, and as we put whatever creature under stress, it's, it has a, another impact on the ecosystem. Oh, absolutely right. And birds uh, transport seeds. They're, yeah. they're food for other creatures. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many things that they do. So we're, it's not just that we're birders and we're crying about birds, but it's more the bigger picture that mm. as we lose birds. Or in, U- in the, in the uh, parks in Utah, they took out the cougars more or less. And then other critters grew, and then we had problems yeah. with erosion and, and, and losing plants. So yeah. when they brought the cougars back, it helped to, to yeah. take care of that. Same with wolves in right. Yellowstone. Yellowstone. So yeah. we need to think in terms of the entire uh, system. That's right. I, I think that's right. And, and that while we're at the top of the heap, <laughs> humans, you know, uh, or at least we think we are, um, we have then therefore have an obligation to um, think through the, the implications of our decisions and our actions a little more carefully. Um, so... And I think that's uh, that's a good spot for us to end, that we need to be thinking about our responsibilities as um, the ones created in God's image with the responsibility for caring for his creation. So, Mark, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Larry. It's really been a lot of fun, and I hope you'll join us again sometime. So this is the end of our program today. This is Hill Country Institute Live. I'm Larry Lennon-Schmidt, your host. We thank you for being with us. If you're interested in learning more about the Hill Country Institute or hearing our past programs, we invite you to visit hillcountryinstitute.org. Uh, we welcome contributions. You can make tax-deductible contributions there at hillcountryinstitute.org or by calling 512-680-7993. You can also hear this program and past programs on your podcast app. It's Hill Country Institute Live. Thank you again for being with us. And remember, show the heart and mind of Christ wherever he calls you.